Hello and welcome to the All Bets Are Off podcast. My name is Ryan and I'm your host. Before we get into it, I really wish to thank you for checking us out and giving us a listen. Obviously, if you are here and you're having difficulties with problem gambling, perhaps pre-recovery or you feel that you're at risk or just at a really low ebb, then please, please feel free to reach out. Trust me, there are plenty of people on your side, including I, along with my co-hosts Chris, Kelly and Kish. There are also many support groups available, including Gamcare and Gamblers Anonymous, among many, many others. We are all one big community, and so anyone who reaches out automatically becomes part of that family. There really is just so much support out there, so please don't suffer in silence. We're in it together. Keep the faith. Let's crack on with the pod. Hello and welcome to the second episode of the All Bets Are Off podcast. Just as I was last time out today, I am joined by Chris and Kelly. Now I realised last time we heard a bit about their recovery stories and in the mayhem of trying to get things organised, I hadn't really given mine too much thought and having listened back to the podcast, it really didn't sit well with me and so I thought it best to tell you a little bit more about me too. Uh, So my name is Ryan and I am 32 years of age. I am a gambling addict that has been in recovery for just 46 days and so I'm still very much in the infancy of my recovery. Uh, After 15 years of mental and financial destruction in which I lived a life not only as a compulsive gambler but also as a compulsive liar, I finally hit my rock bottom once my family found out about what I had been doing and that set me on this road to recovery. I've since found solace and comfort among the online community and post lockdown I do plan to attend some face-to-face counselling to talk through it all and delve much deeper into it. Originally my vice was football betting and fixed odd betting terminals uh, before I then turned to horses and greyhounds and pretty much anything that moved uh, truth be told including the virtuals. Uh, Once the ruling came out on the reduced date for FOBTs I then turned to online slots and immersed myself in table games such as blackjack and roulette. I was simply out of control um you know i am now uh, joining the cause for safer gambling practice and reform and would like to see more preventative actions taken from the operators and those that govern them rather than reactionary ones which i think tends to be the case um i can now breathe a, a little easier with that off of my chest now it's time to bring in my other two chums let's do it Hello, Chris, Kelly. How have you two been? They say things get a little easier after your first time. So here we are for round two. Yeah. Hey, how are you doing, everyone? Um, yeah, I've had a really good week, really busy week, actually. Um, and I thoroughly enjoyed last week's episode. I enjoyed recording it and I enjoyed listening to it as well. I probably listened to it too many times. Um, and I'm looking forward to this week's podcast as well. Um, I guess a quick thing to say from this week, um, which is interesting with regards to gambling, is I was doing some homework with my son, and he's 11, and we clicked through from his school website on a link to YouTube, and before the um, educational video, which was on the Blitz, up came a coral advert, a coral casino. Um, I took a photo of that, put it on Twitter. Uh, Carolyn Harris picked up on it and some others. Um, and my son asked me why I did it. And I explained to him and he said, well, do you know what, Dad? I see that a lot. Um, you know, and that just made me think, uh, poor kids, how do we help them? And I'm glad I'm doing this podcast. 
Brilliant, brilliant. And Kelly? Uh, well, not brilliant that your son saw that. <laughs> and, 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 and Kelly? Yeah, yeah, I'm great. I've had a really busy week because uh, I've done something with the uh, BBC and The Guardian in relation to sort of lockdown and gambling. Um, so I'd, I'd done an article there and then any time anything's on to do with what anything I do, I, I sort of get bombarded then. So I've had a really busy week. Um, yeah, really enjoy doing the podcast and really enjoy looking forward to sort of doing today's and, and in the futures. And you're baking us cake, so that's that's good. Uh... Yes, and baking. <laughs> Lots of baking. Brilliant. Um, well, I, I sure hope that you send me some cakes. Um, it's really great to have you, uh, have you back on, guys, and it's, uh, it's great to hear your voices again too. It's actually... It's actually quite soothing, a little bit comforting in a strange sort of way. Now, today I wanted to kickstart the show by examining and delving deeper into the term the house always wins. Whilst I know that this term is geared towards uh, the casino, I guess you could throw in the bookmakers too. You never never see a poor bookie after all. Since being in recovery, um, you know, I've obviously taken a step back to analyse the practice of gambling that little bit more, including the way in which operators treat their customers. It's fair to say that in the the height of my gambling days. I never really did that. I was simply content at doing my money. But now it would appear that there is evidence to suggest that betting companies often suspend, heavily limit, and even close down winning customer accounts. Surely that's not fair, is it? Well, it doesn't seem fair to me. Um, you know, if somebody places a bet, um, the bet should be honoured, in my mind. Um, on this, though, I remember seeing a programme last year, I think it was, called Beat the Bookies on the BBC. Um, a guy called Lloyd Griffith was on it. Um, he's a comedian and a football presenter. Uh, but, you know, the idea of the show was, can you beat the bookies? I don't know if he had two, three weeks, something like that anyway. Um, had a certain amount of money. And he had to see if he could kind of be a sensible gambler, I suppose, to try and make some money. And I guess what he found out and what I found interesting about that show was people who you know, might call themselves professional or people who study form and aren't doing this on impulse. And then also not just your general kind of client who's having a flutter and a bit of fun. Um, they're really studying things. So, you know, studying things like, um, you know, if a reserve team football team is going to put out a load of first team players, um, you know, there might be some punters out there who look for that and then realise, oh, that team's got a good chance. Um, and it seemed from the programme that, if a bookmaker has became aware of somebody doing that regularly, that they may shut their account, um, which is just incredible, really. I know they're trying to make a living, uh, well, a living, they make a lot of money. I know, you know, they're a business and want to make money, but it does seem unfair when, let's be honest, most of the users who are going to be using their bookmakers or their online sites are going to lose. Um, so to me, it, you know, it doesn't seem fair at all. No, and, um, you know, I've seen the programme that you're talking about and um, also I think there was another programme on with Ross Kemp um, where they'd sort of targeted a lady who who had, had a bereavement in her life and was sort of in a really low place and um, continued to sort of bonus her account with, with winnings, um, which, you know, that's wrong as well on, on one hand. And also, you know, if, like uh, Chris said, if you place a bet and you win, the, you know, the... the industry should honour that you know you've placed that bet fairly so if you then win you should then be able to sort of get your winnings mm -hmm. yeah I, I, I do remember it myself actually so we've all watched it I think it was where they were going around uh, uh, the tennis courts and they were trying to get their bets on beforehand does that does that ring a bell 
That is that is the one. Absolutely, that does ring a bell now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and 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 from you saying that, actually, I remember the guy um, Lloyd um, was betting on the tennis, and I think it was bet three six five, um, and. When he woke up the next morning, having won all these bets, um, he had some email which essentially said, we've now limited your account and he could bet something like, I don't know, five to ten pounds, somewhere in that region on a game of football. But what he then did was he went to the online slots for Bet365 and the online casino and they hadn't limited that. So to me, that is saying that the bookies think, right, this guy might get some money off us going down the sports betting route because, you know, even though there's a risk, there is an element of, you know, I can make a considered risk, I guess, if you're not a compulsive gambler like me. Whereas the slots and the, the tables, um, you know, that's a lot more addictive and they're much more likely to win. Yeah, I remember uh, as well, well what, what we should say as well, before we came on, uh, we, we did speak about this. And uh, you said that someone got triggered at your Gamblers Anonymous through watching this. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And what I would say to anybody on here is we're not talking about this to go and watch this. Um, you know, it's just talking about this aspect of what we think is right and wrong with regards to the bookmakers. Um, but yeah, some people saw it and it was fine. But some people in recovery, yeah, they saw this. And um, I know people who did tennis betting, for example. And when they saw that, it kind of it triggered them. So, you know, I'd absolutely not necessarily recommend people watch it. However, for someone like me who's now trying to understand how the industry works, it's very interesting. Sure. Um, I think it's it's only fair that we do point out, though, that this practice is not illegal and um, the right to do it can often be found deep within the operator's terms and conditions. Uh, obviously, I think the most famous, uh, prominent case uh, recently was a gentleman by the name of Official Antics over on Twitter. Now, I'm not sure who he is or what he is famous for, but he has a blue tick and close to 100,000 followers. So he obviously clearly has a, a little bit of oomph about him. Um, he had downloaded the Paddy Power app and within a matter of minutes won close to £20,000. They then closed his account down before later repenting and making up some lame excuses, having realised how much attention his thread was getting on social media. Uh, there are quite literally thousands, if not tens of thousands of similar cases to this, perhaps not involving such large scale sums of money, uh, but nonetheless, you know, he, um, to, to me, it's sort of like, has gambling um, gone a bit like most things in life? I always sort of, um, the best way to describe it is almost like the criminal justice system. You know, if you're a somebody, then you're more likely to get justice or a little bit of leniency. Whereas if you're a standard run of the mill punter, then it's likely you're going to get, uh, likely it's going to get screwed. Would, would you say so? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think, you know, like you're saying, with with the industry, I think it should be a level playing field. And I think, you know, if if they're sort of advertising and try, sort of trying to get you in and, and taking your money, then I think it's only fair that they pay out. Because I know from experience, and you'll know yourself, from, from trying to withdraw if you win, uh, that they have you jump, jumping through all sorts of hoops, trying to, you know, asking for this ID and that ID and another ID. And I think, you know, if... If sort of they're saying, you know, well, we'll take your money straight away off you and you can bet. But if you win, we're, we're either going to close your account or we're going to ask you to jump through all these hoops if you want to withdraw. Mm. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I totally get where you're coming from there, Kelly. Uh, with all this in mind, do you think, uh, do you think yourself that if the the larger overall consumer were to know about this sort of thing, um, that then this may make them think twice about betting? For me, as a compulsive gambler, I was merely a, a reckless punter that chucked around my money. And whilst I occasionally had a, a decent win, they certainly had enough background on me to understand that they would get more than their fair share of money back and plenty more. But in reality, let's say that you are responsible and a well-researched gambler, uh, similar to what Chris was saying a short while ago about that programme, that did pretty well for themselves, would there really be any motive to bet? Because as soon as you start making a little bit of money, then it's likely you're just going to get kicked off anyway. Yeah, so for me, like, uh, it would put me off. I mean, why would you do it? Why would you go into any kind of business? You know, I imagine a professional gambler thinks of themselves as a businessman. Whether or not I agree with that is, is, is irrelevant. And if you are starting a business, you're doing a business because in the long term, you would want to make money. Um, now, in an industry where you're the professional gambler and you're having to place bets on a bookmaker's site or on a bookies, if they're not willing to take your money, how do you how, how do you how do you run that business of yours? I and mean, I know it's strange to think of it as a business, um, but that is, must be what a professional gambler thinks. I mean, look, I think you know the gambling industry. They know that some people will win, a lot more will lose. Um, so therefore, they should honour whatever bets are placed. They should honour. Um, and the other thing is, you know, they I mean, online especially they must have data of people who are placing these bets. Obviously, they look at it. Um, and, you know, they must know that these people are people who do some kind of study and have some kind of insight because they see that they might win. And it might not be big wins, but it's like regular wins over time. Um, and I think it could be, you know, some people might be able to make a good bet, which could possibly usually come off, but this time doesn't, as opposed to people like ourselves, I imagine, who would just have a punt. And you'd see from our accounts, online accounts, for example, that we haven't got a clue. We might win sometimes, but it's not because we've thought about what's actually going to happen when I, you know, gambled on, I don't know, volleyball somewhere in the world, and I've never watched volleyball before, I hadn't studied that. You know, you know what I mean. So for me, it is it's all about um, the bookies. Well, what they should be doing is they should always honour the bet. They should really accept bets from people, but they're a business and they don't want to lose money. Irrelevant of how much money they make, which is obviously billions. Um, for them and like you say they're allowed to do this it's not like they're breaking the law but is it ethically right I don't think so uh, and and Kelly, you you weren't so much of a, a sports better. You were uh, obviously started off on online bingo uh, before you went on to, to predominantly slots. It, it would seem uh, certainly from what I've heard from you. Um, if, for example, you were were to be a sports better, if you knew, for example, that they could basically plug your money, uh, would you would you have been inclined? Would you would you want to bet? No, no, and I think like that's the thing, isn't it? You can go into the bookmakers and you can put a bet on absolutely anything, whether it's going to rain tomorrow, whether it's going to be sunny next week, you know, the weight of babies when they're born. And, and I just think it's absolutely ridiculous the way that you can bet on absolutely anything. And like you said, they're quite happy for you to go into the bookmakers or for, to take your money online, um, you know, and, and happily take your money and keep taking your money. But then challenge this or, like you said, block your account or have you jumping through hoops to withdraw. So I think, you know, the industry sort of need to have a look at that and be playing a, a, a fair level playing field, don't they, for people? 
And you would you would arguably say, especially you know, when you look at problem gamblers and the uh, the sheer amount of uh, you know the volume of deposits and such. And Chris, you obviously just referring to that data. Um, you know, do you think that data is being analysed correctly? If it's allowing people to spend, I mean, I know you you've got a story yourself in how much you spent in what was it one one day? Um, yeah, you know, so... clearly clearly they're not using that correct, are they? Well, no, I mean, for me, they could have used it, uh, you know, I was gambling in such a way that was reckless and they could have looked at that to stop me from gambling. They could have closed my account and they could have closed my account very quickly, I believe. So I was gambling with Kasumo on the last day that I was gambling. In fact, the last eight days, although I only gambled for four of those days. And over those four days, I spent an annual, you know, my annual salary. Um, but actually... £22,500 worth of that was deposited within two hours, 11 minutes on the last night when I was completely suicidal. And I didn't get anything from the company telling me that I should stop or do you want to think about stopping, do you want to cool off until after that had happened. So the next morning, it was a Monday morning the next day or Sunday morning, I can't remember which. And that's when I got an email which said, uh, can we have some documentation or, you know, that kind of stuff. I've gone through, I've gone through a year's salary before that happened in the space of eight days, only and, gambling on four. And and that's the the thing that I find peculiar uh, in all of this. We, we often hear the term interventions, you know, whenever a news story comes out regarding operator malpractice, the go-to line is that they'll step up interventions, quote unquote. Um, now we're all uh, disordered gamblers in recovery that spent, well, Chris, you've just given an example there, but between us, between all three of us, we probably spent, you know, upwards of a possibly even a quarter of a million pounds, um, you know, recklessly uh, and quickly. Uh, but I'm not sure about you guys, but I never had one of these supposed interventions. Um, and and in the recovery community, I find it really difficult to find anyone who's had an intervention. Did any of you two had a, have an intervention at all? Well, for me... Um... Not, not really. I mean, an example that I can think of, and it wasn't an intervention, it was actually me going to them when I've kind of had enough. Uh, and this wasn't with Kasumo at the end. This was earlier on with 32 Red, funny enough. And um, I got in touch with them after having a few difficult weeks where, you know, terrible in the madness. And I asked them if I could self-exclude as soon as possible. But rather than self-excluding me, they came back and said, well, you need to fill in this form. So obviously that gave me time to think about it. Um, and in that time, I decided not to self-exclude. And I went back with an email to them, which said something along the lines of, I've excluded with two other casinos. So now I'd like to keep my account open with you. Thank you. And I'll continue gambling. And that day or the next day, you know, I went with one of my standard emails to the VIP uh, manager of, are there any free chips, please, to play with? Which, you know, the answer... I don't know if they gave me any free money that time, but they certainly gave me a free bonus. And within a couple of days, there was an extra £400 in my account again. Absolutely crazy. Wow. And Kelly, what about you? Um, I mean, surely out of uh, you must have had an intervention because uh, I so regularly spoke of, <laughs> spoke of. Yeah, no, no, nothing. And, you know, I think where you sort of talk about intervention and data, um, firstly, you know, I've seen adverts on the television for uh, credit card companies that brag really about how they can sort of spot fraud on on your on your account sort of similar to you know that obviously they're looking at data and anything un unordinary you know that maybe wasn't you that they spot straight away 
Well, I was spending £500 a day plus on credit cards, on six credit cards, and not once was I intervened with, not once was I questioned by either the credit card company or the industry. I was just allowed to deposit, deposit, deposit all day, every day, up to the value of £30,000. Shocking. Uh, absolutely crazy. So, um, yeah, I mean, interesting that none of us have had uh, an intervention uh, of any sorts and we don't all find it very difficult to find someone that has. On the flip side to all of this, I have seen some, I presume, pro-gambling lobbyists suggest that doing all the things described, including imposing severe restrictions on profitable customer accounts, you know, these can often be small amounts, as we've discussed. Um, and then in, even in some cases, closing accounts, they simply say that, uh, as Chris was saying a minute ago, th th this is business. Businesses are there to try and run profitably. And whilst uh, this is a logic I agree with in principle, the gambling ind industry itself is very different in a sense that if you're willing to take people's money, then you should honour all winnings. And, and that should include customers that make a profit. Uh, whether that be through, um, you know, being well re researched or just plain lucky, um, I think we've already really answered this, Chris, but am I really that wrong in thinking that? No, I think you're totally right. I could, you know, for me, that is exactly spot on what you're saying. If somebody will take your money and offer you some odds for an outcome and you win, you should get your money back and you should be allowed to go back and do it again next time. I mean, they're a business. They'll make their decisions. They might say different. But I think when an industry is happy to take so much money and there's always going to be more losers than, than winners, you know, come on. If anyone is actually that lucky, you know, but let's be honest, I think for a lot of those people, it's a slippery slope anyway. So, and and Kelly, would you say that? Um, would you would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like I say, you know, it should be a level playing field. That if a business is going to take your money, then you expect a product. It's like you wouldn't expect to go to the supermarket and hand your money over and then not receive any goods. You know, it's it's the same, isn't it? That you are fairly playing, and you you know you you you're giving your money, and then if you win, you would expect to be able to withdraw that. Yeah, and I think the important thing is 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 as everything that we've discussed. But Chris just touched upon it there. There's always going to be more losers than winners. That's that's the gambling industry. That's why they make so much money. But the thing that really aggravates me is yes, you're going to have there's going to be winning accounts. But this isn't about um, you know biz, business or industry sustainability. Uh, it's just basically about making more and more profits, and that's where I get a little bit angst with it in terms of, you know, I personally deem it to be totally uh, unfair and, and immoral and un unethical, really, because, you know, if you, it, you the industry is has and will likely continue to grow year on year. So uh, that's what really frustrates me with regards to it. Now, I must say, um, I have really enjoyed uh, this discussion. You know, how companies get away with this sort of practice is shameful. It's backward and immoral, as I've said. Uh, someone can go online and make several large transactions equating to tens of thousands of pounds with clear evidence of previous disordered gambling and no questions are asked whatsoever. And yet these operators are quick to sniff out accounts making just a few hundred quid here and there and will quickly kick them off. If it's really that simple to analyse the data, then why do uh, do we often see many failings and, and lack of checks and interventions? Hopefully we'll uh, see a change in that sometime soon. But unfortunately, that's everything for part one. Uh, in part two, we'll be talking about social media marketing and a few other bits. So please stay tuned for that. Now, though, we're going for a quick ad break. See you in a mo. 
So here we are on a quick break. This is the part of the show in which I ask our listeners to go give us a follow over on Twitter. Our handle is at allbetsareoff underscore. You can also go and check out our website www.allbetsareoff.co.uk uh, which has much more information about the pod and the team behind it. Along with that there are also some useful links to various charities and support services in this particular sector. It's now time for part two. Welcome back to part two of the All Bets Are Off podcast. Today, I'm joined by the remarkable Chris and Kelly. For this next section of the pod, I wanted to explore social media marketing by betting companies that little bit more. Now, the majority of the larger gambling companies started out on Twitter in 2008-9, and since then, it's obviously greatly uh, evolved. From a business-to-consumer brand awareness and exposure perspective, then the evolution of social media is nothing short of a wet dream for any business, really. Excuse me for taking it down a level there. I guess the thing that alarms me about this space from a gambling perspective is the amount of tweets by gambling companies that pop off and go viral and just how many miners end up seeing and interacting with the industry before they've come of age. This avenue of advertising is is practically free, certainly very cheap when you consider how much businesses spend on things such as uh, search engine pay-per-click campaigns, television and radio adverts and aligning themselves with sports clubs and sporting stars and celebrities as we touched upon last week. Now I'm intrigued to hear your thoughts on this particular space. Kelly, Kelly, you first. Yeah, I think, you know, when the um, fixed odd betting terminals went to £2 um, sort of in the in the bookmakers, I think we sort of knew everything was going to go very much online. Um, and I think, you know, the way social media is today and that every young person more or less has a phone glued to the hand, um, I think it's very worrying that, you know, the, the tech into social media, uh, radio and TV as well, to sort of, bombard people with these adverts and as I've always said you know the products that they're advertising are aimed at adults the products for people 18 years and older so again something I campaign for to get the adverts off the television radio and social media because I think we're just enticing young people um, with the glamorizing of gambling and the sort of false hope of of gambling and like you say you know young people have, have got these smartphones and devices and they are glued to their hand most of the time. And, you know, there's nothing sort of stopping parents at times for stopping the kids going on and accessing these these sites. Because like I said before, you know, with Facebook, when, when Facebook you had to be a certain age to get on and the kids would make up a date of birth so they could access this uh, pl- social media platform, it'd be the same with gambling. You know, what's saying that young people aren't going to make up a date of birth and, and sort of go on and dabble and... I think it's very much once you've seen something, you will then want to try it. So, I mean, it is. I think it is a real concern. Yeah, and uh, actually this week, I've got an example of something that happened to me um, with regards to online advertising. So I was sitting down to do my son's homework with him. Um, he's 11 years old and it was a bit of homework on the Blitz. And we were on his school website. And from the website, there was a link to the video on YouTube. So we clicked on that link. Um, and just before this children's educational video up came a coral advert um so i was like well this can't be right surely um now i don't know how all this stuff works in the background you know um but for me he's clicked on a link and he's seeing that and that just can't be right he's 11 years old he's impressionable um 
And he asked me why I took a photo of it because I then shared this on Twitter and, and, you know, got some feedback and got some advice on what to do, putting some ad blockers in place, things like that. But it's not right. And he told me, Dad, I see this advert all the time. Um, and I was shocked because obviously he looks at YouTube when I'm not around. Uh, sometimes he'll be logged into my account. Sometimes he probably won't. Um, and I don't know when he sees it and when he doesn't. But equally, I don't want to be seeing those adverts. And I don't go to online bookmakers anymore. You know, I haven't done for two and a half years. So why do they then come up in my profile? Because I don't know if this has something to do. I, I'm not a techie person. I don't know if this has something to do with cookies. I don't know if this has something to do with, <laughs> you know, um, websites I've visited. But all I can say is I definitely have not visited any online casinos or online bookmakers. Um, so, you know, for me, it's really scary. On Twitter this week, I had a couple from BWIN. Um, now I went on there and I and I clicked on the uh, I don't want to see these anymore. So you know hopefully they won't come anymore. But I know in a couple of weeks time there'll be more because it keeps happening. It keeps happening. Um, and the one other thing I just want to touch on on this at the moment is um, online newspapers as well. So I'm very often I'm on Twitter and I'll click into an online newspaper and that's when I'll see the adverts. Very often you know, I've seen so many Ladbrokes, 888 Casino, all of them really. And part of it, you know, sometimes those adverts are in stories about somebody who's had a gambling problem. I think that's absolutely terrible. And the other times I've seen it recently as well is in um, kind of where well, they're talking about lockdown. So there might be a report which says, you know, lockdown is now going to go on for another three weeks. And in that is an article. So in that article, sorry, there is an advert for a casino. And it's like saying, well, you're in lockdown now. You might be bored. Why don't you gamble? Mm. Yeah, no, I mean, good good point there. I'm not sure how it works in terms of the whole cookies and cash and all this. I, like you, as I'm not much of a, a technical expert. I, I, I know that I personally pick up uh, some bits and pieces when I'm doing a bit of searching online. And I, I guess it's because um, my from my gambling days, and remember my gambling days, aren't that long ago uh, in comparison to yours what i've been free of, of gambling for 40 odd days uh, which in comparison is 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 nothing but yeah i'm i'm, I'm surprised that you're still seeing them after uh, after such a time but uh, yeah that might be someone that's listening might be able to give us a, a few tips there obviously the the gambling act 2005 essentially opens up the the wasp nest to swarms of gambling advertising and that's certainly something that needs reviewing sometime soon now i know we're talking about uh, online gambling what we must point out that is the betting and gaming uh, is that betting and gaming council members uh, which do make up approximately 50 percent of the tv and radio advertising have chosen to vol uh, voluntarily remove all tv and radio gaming advertising until at least the 5th of june whilst we're in lockdown now whilst this is commendable uh, there is an argument to suggest that this action was taken too late. Obviously, uh, we've come to love and, and respect Labour MP Carolyn Harris, who's uh, who's often, um, you know, campaigning a long campaign for safer gambling practice and reform. And she's constantly saying that there needs to be uh, there needs to be more to be done to, in terms of protecting problem gamblers and, and those that are vulnerable, including from online advertising. And uh, I see some comments in which she's, you know, quite often vilified by pro-gambling lobbyists who bombard her with, well, where's your proof of X and Y? However, 
Um, from a from a personal level, I, I I believe that the burden of proof certainly isn't on on Carolyn at all. You know, the the operators hold all of the data, and for me, they are not transparent enough with it. You would argue uh, Carolyn has a fair point about shouting uh, shouting loud about online marketing in in late two thousand and eighteen. Um, I recall industry specialist regulus partners estimated uh, that spend by gambling companies had gone up 56% since 2014. And the majority of that was into online marketing. Uh, there's no getting away from that. And the fact that um, most marketing activity is now done, you know, is done on the internet. And so when you consider the rise of problem gambling cases, including that of children, to me, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to put two and two together here. Um, you know, 80% of all gambling marketing spend is now online and around half of that uh, goes on direct online internet marketing. What are your thoughts on, on that, Chris? It worries me. It worries me a lot. And what I'm going to say is I saw um, an article this week and it was actually about technology of the future and what that could mean for gambling. So kind of putting on your 3D glasses and sitting in a casino in your own house. And do you know right. what? There was lots of other things as well, and they don't seem that far off. So what scares me about that is we haven't got to grips yet with the advertising for the market as it currently is, which is just an online casino where, you know, you can spin and people are on a screen. It, you know, I feel like the companies need to be much more responsible on the advertising side as well as the advertising side they need to be more responsible understanding what their products are doing and i think in the advertising it needs to say you know so you know personally i'd like it to be no advertising uh, you know they're a market which i think would exist regardless of advertising and i think they're probably just competing for market share as opposed to trying to get loads more people people will gamble people will have a flutter of word of mouth um but for me there needs to be a lot more safe for gambling in the adverts if they are to be there but that needs to reflect what people are actually doing um, and i think maybe you know using people um like ourselves who've had problems you know feed into what that advertising should look like you know because we're not trying to say that people who enjoy a normal flutter couldn't have a normal flutter but we're trying to say the message that you're giving out at the moment is dangerous to people like us who are vulnerable and potentially dangerous to children so i think we need to work together with them to do that mm -hmm. and kelly yeah, yeah. Firstly, let me just say, I've met Carolyn Harris. Uh, we appeared on Victoria Derbyshire together a few years ago talking about uh, gambling addiction and sort of advertising, and she's a really passionate lady. Um, and again, it's something I've campaigned for from 2014, trying to get the adverts off TV before at least 9pm, because as I've said already, these products that they are advertising are aimed at adults, at people age 18 plus. So why on earth would they be on TV, radio and social media before 9pm? Because not only are they sort of targeting children, they're targeting, you know, the vulnerable in society. So we have people in society and we have had long before lockdown that, that are dependent on food banks and that, you know, are on the breadline. And you find in areas like this that you will find a lot of um, betting shops. Uh, but, as, you know, obviously a lot of things, a lot's gone online as well. And I just think, you know, when they're sort of advertising, deposit £10 and we'll give you 60 to somebody who then it's a choice of whether do I put gas and electric on or do I use this £10 to feed the kids or do I have a flutter at this and, you know, live the dream and win all this money as they're sort of claiming that you can do with slogans like everyone's a winner. Um, well, no, not everyone's a winner. Um, and I think, you know, that these adverts that are on the television, 
sort of when the fun stopped, stop and be gamble aware. Well, yeah, but go aware, speak to who, contact who, phone what number, go on what email address. The do not signpost anywhere for you to go. It's mm. just as quick as you can, legal requirement, when the fun stops, stop, be gamble aware. Like be drink aware, you know, that mm. there's a lot of advertising on the television at the minute for alcohol. So it's very quickly be drink aware. And it goes then goes on the telly because they've done their legal requirement and said that bit, but there's no signposting involved with that. And I'd like to see an advert where maybe... Um, I know a couple of years ago there was a guy smoking a cigarette in his back garden and, and the, the nicotine and tar was going all through his veins and his body. And that, that advert wasn't advertising cigarettes and it wasn't advertising smoking. It was advertising the dangers of cigarettes. And I've always said, if you are going to advertise a product, advertise it dangers and all. So maybe that they do some sort of advertising where somebody's sat in the house spinning away on a, on a laptop or on a phone and every time they spin... The car disappears off the drive. The, ke the telly disappears out of the living room. You know, something else disappears. The wife and the kids disappear or the husband and the kids disappear. You know, that it shows that there is a real danger to this addiction. A lot, a lot of people do it for fun. There is a serious, real risk to, to life with this, you know, with this sort of uh, industry and this addiction. I totally agree with that. And, yeah, I, 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 I feel where you're coming from there in terms of the uh, obligatory safer gambling messages as 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 i like to 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 to, to basically phrase it as um uh, bringing it back into so uh, into social media you know in the in the grand scheme of things you know um it's not actually that much money i would say that goes into it. i think it's around 10 percent of the overall sort of advertising budget i recall a, a few years back um possibly possibly 2014-ish a, a series of tweets by paddy power that went viral one day and there was this story that by chance uh, the person in control of the the paddy power twitter account received a text message from a guy called steve that had supposedly met a girl on a night out uh, the night before uh, we've all been there uh, but it seems that they've been given the wrong number and so the messages were going through uh, were going through to this paddy power worker and so they played along and posted all of these texts up on the uh, on the company account as a laugh I mean, even to this day, I think it was a, a complete and utter hoax, as I believe um, many of the things that happen of a similar nature. And uh, for me, it's all just conjured up merely to go viral and, and get the brand out there. So I think it's almost like this shock value and, and getting things to go viral. Some say it's clever, uh, but I just think it's uh, actually quite sad that people fall for it. Anyway, both of you two are parents. I, I'm not, uh, certainly uh, not yet. And I know that, Chris, your children are quite young. We've just been talking about uh, social media, which is is prevalent in everyone's lives nowadays, including children and teenagers. As we know, these gambling companies are, are relenting in their advertising, you know, across all, all, all mediums. It just seems that there's no shame and a real lack of responsibility from operators in this industry. And so really, the onus is you know, pretty much always on parents to protect, protect their children from it. How do you go about uh, doing that? I know that you touched upon it a moment, Chris, with, uh, with what your, one of your sons, uh, one of your children's uh, seen, but how do you go about protecting your children? It's very difficult. It's very difficult. Um, for me, it's about talking to them um, about what the dangers can be. Um, and, you know, trying to explain to them what they're seeing and that actually, you know, it isn't all true. 
you know, not everybody who does this wins. Um, because my son's of an age now, 11, where he does ask those questions. You know, he's a child who likes to go to the arcade at the seaside and stuff. No, I don't take him anymore. That's, you know, that's, you know, that isn't for me to do. My dad would take him sometimes. But, you know, there's a limit on what you can spend and how long he's allowed to be in there. And I've explained to him why. So it's the same with the online stuff. Ideally, I wouldn't want him to see it. And as Kelly says, before nine o'clock, why on earth is it? Why on earth is it there? Um, but he will see it. And, I'm, you know, I'm not daft to think that he won't see it so therefore it's about me as a parent giving the right messages to him but actually the onus always seems to be on us and this is a massive industry so why aren't the industry coming out with these messages for children um you know in the schools that kind of stuff i think it needs to be like a standard message for everyone um and it needs to be really sensible you know um, i remember being at school as a teenager and being told about the dangers of alcohol and drugs i wasn't told about the dangers of gambling that's for sure um and obviously people then do make their mind up but i'd want to be there to give my children that education the difficult thing is though you know i can't stop them seeing what they are seeing i can put ad blockers in place i can you know i can say you can't go on the computer at this time of day but they've got friends you know they're out and about they see these things um and yeah for me it's just about explaining where i am and why i'm in the situation i am in and explaining that it doesn't mean you'll be the same as me, but I want you to understand what the dangers could be so you can then make an informed decision further down the line. Yeah. Kelly? Yeah, and I think I did it in spectacular fashion, really, because my son was 14 and at high school when I went public with my story. And I think for me, it was about raising awareness of gambling addiction, but female gambling addiction. And my son had a lot of friends that used to come round to the house. So my thinking was that, you know, if I sort of went public with the story and, and sort of raised awareness of the dangers of it, that hopefully he would not then, you know, go down that route and, and his friends would also sort of know that the dangers around sort of gambling addiction. And I think it's very much like anything, having open di an open dialogue with your children, that you can talk to them. And it's a bit like sex education, isn't it, where people sort of are a bit prude and don't really want to say the, you know, that word in front of the kids. And But it is a case of that in this day and age that we live in, there is sex, there is drugs, there is alcohol, you know, there is gambling on the television all before 9pm. And I think it's very much about having that relationship and that conversation with your children about the dangers of things, you know. And, and if you've got that dialogue and that relationship with your children, and like uh, Chris said, you know, you can try put blockers in place, but there always is ways around of them seeing things, isn't there? So very much communication, I think. And what was the... Uh, what was the... Um, how, how did your son at the time, who was 14 years old, how did he feel when you came out and, uh, and um, you know, started campaigning and, and doing your bits and pieces? Don't get me wrong, he got badly bullied at school for it. And I don't regret speaking out. When I, went, when I first went out and I went on to Good Morning Britain in 2014, I took him with me down to London. And he, he was in the green room as I went on. And I didn't sort of really think that he was sat there watching and listening to what I was saying. And I don't think I really fully understood that he was seeing and reading everything that was out there um but again I don't regret it and I do think you know it stopped him going down that path of, of wanting to have a flutter and wanting to have a gamble and it's not something he partakes in um so you know I don't regret doing it and I, I do hope that you know in time to come that he will be proud of what I've done and you know it, it is quite an achievement of what I've done and it's sort of saved him and and his friends and, and lots of other people from maybe getting into that path yeah so, I'm yeah. sure that I'm sure that that's uh, just uh, 
uh, youthful naiveness really in terms of from the from the bullying side of things I know that when oh, I was yeah. younger you know I, I've done a lot of stupid things um, you could argue with gambling I've done a lot of stupid things in adult life as well but no I'm sure he's he's certainly very proud of you now um, just to just to um, just to say as well that there are um, some tips on our on our new website relating to safeguarding minors from from gambling related harm as well so if you wish to check them out just uh, just uh, go onto our website www.allbetsareoff.co.uk um, that's all we've got time for today uh, that is a, is a wrap it's time to say our goodbyes well see you later on everybody I had a great week and uh, look forward to seeing you next week. Yeah, keep safe, everybody, uh, and we'll see you again next week. It's been fun. And it's a goodbye from me, too. It has been an absolute honour and a pleasure. As usual, we'll be ending with our Hero of the Episode feature, so please stick around for that, and we'll see you next time. Ciao. I know that we wouldn't ordinarily give our Hero of the Episode to a gambling operator, but I think it's really important to mention when they do do something good and honourable. And so this week's Hero of the Episode goes to Mecca Bingo, which is part of the Rank Group. Throughout the coronavirus pandemic, across many sites, including Leeds, Chesterfield and Swansea, among others, they have been giving out free meals for NHS staff and key workers. Now, I know that they've a history of doing bits and pieces for the homeless too, and so credit where credit is due. A big well done to them. Thank you for listening, everyone, and please stay safe. Thank you.